winterizing your RV, why you need to do it. This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. So today we're doing the show a little bit different. We're going to record it for YouTube and we're going to do this from here on out. Each episode will be available on YouTube. So if you're listening you know, via podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or another channel, might sound a little bit different, but we're going to try to focus more on the audio of it than the video. So it's not going to be a big show and tell thing. Although if you want to go back and watch the, the, the video later on, it'll definitely be on YouTube as each episode gets published. So Alexis is with us this morning. How are you doing today, Alexis? Hello, I'm doing good today, Eric. Well, that's good. So <laughs> here we are. We're ready to talk about the RV life living the RV life. Mm-hmm. So this time of year, the leaves are changing around the country or we're getting into it. And it's really quite a sight to see, you know, they start changing color and it kind of inspires people to get out and view nature, which, you know, that's a great thing to do. It's one way to get out and get a little exercise, but more than that, it's a great way to get out and use your RV. So with an RV, you can go anywhere you want. If you think the leaves are changing, you want to see it on the West Coast, the East Coast, you can just take off and go. Here in Montana, they're starting to change, starting to fall on the ground. So I'm already dreading the great big cleanup of (laughs) making leaves forever. Me too. And it piles up. Remember last year, God, we had so many leaves. It just seemed like endless. We tried burning (laughs) them. That didn't work. It's just a chore no matter what. Did you jump in them? No, I took pictures out. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so, no jumping then, Em. That will hurt my legs too much. <laughs> so, if you're thinking about that, wanting to get away, maybe plan your trip around where the leaves are, where they're going to be falling. You're going to see the change of seasons, as it were. You know, the East Coast, I think, is more popular for it, has a bigger reputation for it. But leaves change in a lot of different areas, big trees, so check it out on a map. You know, you can go and look. Um, in fact, we have a link called, it's um, the Leaf Peeping Map. So it sounds kind of <laughs> odd, but that's going to be on our website, the smartrver.com under the RV Life section, um, actually under this episode as well. So if you want to go out and explore and find some different areas to go check out the leaves, now's a great time to do it start planning now so when it's or actually by the time this episode airs live it'll already be happening but nonetheless get out and do it it goes on for quite some time october november and it's really awesome to see sometimes even just seeing the leaves on the ground around the trees is pretty cool looking because you see the massive amounts of them you know oh yeah a lot of people don't even clean them up so they're there for months (laughs) until the snow comes it's a great look That's right. So now we're going to get to the nuts and bolts of the show, staying on the road. And today we're going to talk about winterizing your RV and why you need to do it. So winter is coming. You know, it might seem a little early for this. Maybe there's not snow on the ground where you're living and the weather's still, you know, somewhat decent during the day. Might still be okay to go out RVing. But there can be a lot to do to prepare. It's not just a five-minute thing. It's not something you just wake up and I'm going to do this today because you might only do half of it. You know, you're probably busy getting your house ready, maybe uh, getting the yard kind of cleaned up, you know, getting all them leaves out of there. So there's a lot going on. And so, you know, it might make the to-do list overwhelming. 
and we don't want the to-do list to be overwhelming. What we really want is for you to be able to do this without stressing out. And that's why I'm here. This is my goal to help you do that. The stress reliever. So you're still going to be work, but we're going to try to try to make it easier. So don't stress, just do it as you can do it. Just the main thing is to get the fresh water done before it starts freezing. That's the most important part of winterizing to get that fresh water system done. Otherwise you'll just have ongoing problems come springtime. You don't want to miss that one, but let's break it down first. You know, you have the inside of the RV, you have the outside of the RV. The inside basically consists of the fresh water system. The outside of the RV is everything else that, you know, should be looked at, maintained at some level before you go into storage. It's not mission critical, but it's always good to just do it. That way you have one good last look at your RV before it does start snowing or gets too cold to really do anything. You get that wet weather, you know, all of a sudden leaks appear. It's harder to fix a leak when it's raining out or snowing or the roof's covered in snow than now when it's dry or drier. So let's start with the tires. So if you have an RV, whether it's a motorhome or trailer, fifth wheel, travel trailer, doesn't matter, air up the tires, check them all. You know, whether they're in great shape or not, you know, that's a different story, but just get them all aired up. And you know, uh, motorhomes have their maximum capacity. All trailer tires should be at their maximum air pressure capacity is set on the side of the tire, the maximum PSI. So you want to do that. Make sure they're aired up because more than likely during the winter time, you're not going to be doing that. You're not going to go out there with an air hose and compressor and air up your tires. And you might not be able to see if they're low or not anyways. So air them up. And then take a look at your batteries. You know, if they're lead acid batteries, if you're going to leave them out in the cold and they're going to freeze, make sure they're charged first. If you don't have a way to charge them outside, then take them out, bring them inside and get them charged up. And since you have them out, you might as well leave them out. You know, there's the ongoing debate over whether batteries can freeze or not freeze or be left in the freezing temperature. I should say batteries can't freeze, but whether they should be left in the, the freezing cold. So that's a personal decision. There's a lot of people that just make sure they're charged up before the winter time hits, before they go into storage, or they leave the RV plugged in so it's constantly charging. And we are talking about lead acid batteries right now, or AGMs. Um, you know, the ones that, well, that, those are the two. Mm-hmm. And lead acid would include golf cart batteries because they're lead acid batteries. See, the problem if you leave them not charged up, they will definitely freeze. And then come springtime, you might have to buy new batteries. Sometimes they can come back from that. Sometimes they can't. A lot of people just err on the side of caution, take the batteries out. You know, it takes 10, 15, 20 minutes maybe, depending on how your RV's wired. Maybe take a picture of it if the wiring is complex or make a note of it or mark the cables where they go. So it comes springtime, you're not guessing. You're not burning something up because you wired it wrong which that happens um, when it comes to batteries. Sometimes they get wired wrong. Even the, the best of the best can make mistakes with that. So you want to avoid that. Now let's talk about lithium batteries for a moment to charge or to remove or to even heat them. Lithium batteries, they can freeze, but it's better if they don't. And you can use them while they're freezing. You know, if it's freezing out, you can discharge a lithium battery, but you can't recharge it usually in the 32 degrees and under range. Every battery has its own little specifications there, but let's just stick at 32 degrees because that's a freezing temperature. 
So you can discharge, but you can't recharge. So if you know you're not going to be using the, the RV and you have lithium batteries in it, just take them out for the winter time. Unless you have bags that go around the uh, batteries to heat them. And that's the best way to heat a lithium battery is the bag, not an internal heater like uh, some brands might have and really sell that as a great way to heat. But the heat should be evenly dispersed around the battery working its way in. So, you know, most people are just going to take the lithiums out because it's such a huge investment. They don't want to take a chance of damage them. And that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, that's probably what I would do. Well, that's mm -hmm. what it is, what I do, even with all my batteries. They all come out during the wintertime. I got some NOCO chargers. They're smart chargers and just hook them up and let them go. You can get them where they work on one bank, two banks, three banks, four banks, so forth. And they're great to have, easy to use. And they're smart, so they're going to charge it properly. So you can put them on and forget about it. So even if you have a good warranty, you should still take them out? You don't want to mess with that? Is that what you're kind of recommending? That's what I'm recommending. And so, you know, speaking of a warranty, a warranty, generally you find out whether it's good or bad when you need it, kind of like insurance. <laughs> like those people in Florida, they're finding out a lot of those insurance mm. companies now are going bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. So... So it's better to err on the side of caution. And those chargers aren't that expensive, you know, especially compared to a battery. If you have more than one, makes life easier. And you'll always have a use for it, even during the summertime, you know. Yeah, yeah. Battery goes bad, dead or something happens. You, you got a way to charge them up. That's true. <laughs> okay, so we're going to jump from the ground to the roof now. And the roof, you want to get up there. And, you know, I push the roof. Actually, everything that we talk about is kind of a repeat sometimes, but... We're going into winter storage, so you don't want any, any leaks to happen on the roof. You want to try to prevent as many as possible. Because remember, you're going to park that RV and maybe walk away from it for four, five, six months. And, you know, there's hot days, cold days, and so that water, the snow is melting, freezing, melting, freezing. So the water can leak in and be causing damage that you're not even aware of until you go back in the springtime and like, holy smokes, what happened? Mm -hmm. You know, there's water everywhere, you know, the signs of water. Mm -hmm. So now is the time. It's warmer. It's a better time to get up there and check the roof for leaks. Make sure you're, you're, all the seals around the vents and the seams are sealed, that there's no broken spots. Use, if you have a rubber roof, get up there with some lap sealant and don't go crazy with it. Just fix where it looks like there's a potential for a leak. Make sure your vent lids are good. If you have Max Air or Camco vent covers or another brand, you know, peek in there, make sure the lids are not cracked or anything. If they are, just replace them. It's easier to do it now, like I said. Check the skylights too. Don't forget about the skylights and even the plumbing vents. Just get it all done while you're up there. You know, some of these things can be a disaster in the winter or if, if the roof is covered with snow and they do break or crack, you know, even getting up there and cleaning the roof off during the winter time. Cause it happened to me, you know, a skylight broke, not the mm. best time to have a skylight break when there's snow on the roof uh. of your RV <laughs> and having the snow on the roof, you know, it starts to weigh up or, you know, gets heavy. And so you might see your, uh, the roof bowing on the inside. You know, a lot of new mm. RVs have the curb roofs or at least trailers do. Yeah. For better or worse, but you still want to get that snow off if you can. It can cause, cause problems, and it also hides everything. If something did just break, you wouldn't even know it because the snow's covered it. So it's also going into your RV and checking it out once in a while in the wintertime, too, making sure everything's good. So you're going to take care of everything on the roof, you know, maintain it all, get it done. 
And so you want to just get outside and inspect the rest of the RV. You know, I talked about this in episode 107. So you might want to go back and listen to it because there's a, a lot of things on the outside of the RV that might need to be resealed. You know, you got, a, uh, you know, hatches, you got latches, you know, doors, refrigerator access doors, you got lights, you have all sorts of stuff, the trim on the roof and the sides. So inspect all of that. Make sure there's no problems there because if there are, you know, that water will get in there and, and don't underestimate what water can do. It doesn't take much. And once it starts getting in there, mold starts, the deterioration starts, it starts to rot away and that's it. It will just keep on going. So you want to stop that. So now if you want to cover your RV, that's a question that, you know, we get asked a lot. I get asked a lot. It sounds good in theory, but is it good in theory? (laughs) (laughs) You know, an RV cover will cover the RV, um, depending on where you're at, the kind of weather you have. Maybe it's great. If you have a lot of rain, then the cover might be the perfect thing, especially if your roof's a little spotty and you get a cover that has Tyvek on the top of it or something that's waterproof. That will definitely help and protect the roof, and that obviously will protect the rest of the RV. But sometimes, you know, the cover is going to get loaded down with snow and that might cause it to tear because the weight starts piling up and it might catch a corner on the air conditioner or something else and it might tear it. Or you get up there to clean the roof and you might tear it. You know, you're getting a shovel trying to be careful and you tear it. Or you start pulling on it trying to shake the snow off. And, you know, if it's powder, it'll come off. But if it's frozen, that becomes a problem. So that's a personal decision. You have to kind of look at where you're at and really decide if the cover is going to be worth it or not. If your RV is in good shape, remember the the winter time is wet, but it doesn't have the harsh UV rays like the sun time or some summer time does. So covering it might not be that big of a deal in the winter time where as soon as it thaws out and spring comes, maybe you want to get the cover on it to protect it from the sun. That's probably causes the most damage. And during the wintertime, it's not nearly as harsh. So that's a personal decision. Now, we're going to get to the fresh water system. So this is the big one. This is the most important one. Well, besides the roof leaks. <laughs> you know, are you going to use air or antifreeze? Are you going to blow it out? Are you going to buy one of these blowout plugs? It's in the package. might be hard to see. So it screws into the city water hookup. You hook an air hose up to it and blows out your water system. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of how to do this. We're going to talk more of which one is better, which one should you do. On the website at thesmartrvdeer.com, under this podcast, episode 109, there's going to be instructions there to do it either with air or RV antifreeze. So either one will be there, and it's pretty thorough. It covers it all. Um, now there's some variations too with each RV. Sometimes things are plumbed a little bit different. They're made differently. So the instructions might not match it a hundred percent. So be realistic in your expectations. It's not going to walk you maybe a hundred percent through your RV, but it's going to get you close because that's the way instructions are sometimes, especially with an RV. Okay. So to use air or antifreeze, you know, that's a, it's a tough question because some technicians prefer air. Some prefer antifreeze. Um, 
we sell a lot of antifreeze and we sell a lot of these blowout plugs. So it's a kind of a toss up. Alexis, yeah. would you agree with that? Oh yeah. We sell 50, 50 of both. <laughs> yeah. You know, people buy more antifreeze. Someone might come yeah. in and buy three or four or five gallons of antifreeze, but you're only going to buy one blowout plug. Yeah, exactly. So that's where it might seem like we do more antifreeze, but uh-huh. uh, all in all, it's a sale. You know, if you break it down to sales. Right. And then there's the people that do both. They blow it out with air <laughs> and then they run antifreeze through the system because they don't want to take any chances. They're overachievers. Overachievers. There you go. <laughs> you know, so it's definitely a trade-off, but here's the thing. If you do it yourself, you're going to save money. Even if it doesn't go as planned and come springtime, you have to replace a water valve. Maybe the water valve in the toilet cracked, a faucet cracks, um, you know, a water pump gets a little more expensive, but, you know, it's right in there with a the faucet, though, depending on what faucet, if one were to break. So sometimes, no matter what, you're going to be money ahead. And the other side to that is, if you do it yourself, you know more about your RV. Because what we get in the store sometimes is people, they just, they don't even have a clue how to get to anything on the RV. Where's my water pump? And they literally don't know where the water pump is. They don't know where the back of the water heater is. You know, it's on the back of the water heater. Um, how do we get to it? You know, there's probably an access access panel. They've never mm-hmm. seen it, or maybe they've seen it a thousand times, but they never associated with anything. It's just something the manufacturer of the RV put in. So it helps familiarize yourself with the RV. And Alexis, do we not have a lot of do-it-yourselfers that come into our store? Oh, all the time. Yeah, definitely. Right. <laughs> We have a lot of them and, you know, they're all learning and it's interesting because mm-hmm. it's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Very much. So, you know, and, and I'm not trying to discourage anybody from doing it. It's just the reality. Sometimes these things are there and you don't even know it. they're there. I mean, we hear it all the time. No, there's no switch. There's no way there's a switch on the wall for that. I'm telling you there's a switch. <laughs> they go back and they call us later on. Yeah, I found it. There is a switch. You're right. <laughs> so it's a matter, not a matter of being right or wrong. It's just... We, we have a clue, and we're trying to help everybody else to get a clue, make you the smart RVer. Mm-hmm. And so doing it yourself is not that hard. So don't panic, you know, take a deep breath, and you can do this. And if you, you don't get it 100% right the first time or the second time, no big deal, because I'll guarantee you shops bungle it too. And RV tech, technicians bungle it. And what happens when a shop does it, sometimes they make it sound like, oh, yeah, come springtime, if anything's broken, we'll cover it for you. That's not always the case. The first thing they're going to say is, or accuse you of doing, is taking your RV out and using it. Then you did a haphazard uh, re-winterize on it. That happens almost every time. Unless you have a really good shop you go to. So don't sweat it. Even the professionals make mistakes here. So... You know, I can't recommend one or the other. You know, if you're not, if you know you're not going to use your RV for five or six years and don't do anything, it'll just freeze one winter and every winter thereafter. <laughs> it's already winterized, right? I mean, that's kind of what I did with my RV. Um, not intentionally, but that's what happened. But make a choice. And if you want to do both, do both. It doesn't matter if you want to run the air through it, then run RV antifreeze through it. That's fine too. But make the decision and just stick with it. And don't overthink it. You can only get so much water out of the system. You know, there will always be some water left in it. Even running antifreeze through it, sometimes a little bit of water gets stuck someplace in a crevice of a valve or whatever. 
and it still might freeze. Those things happen, but just follow the instructions and all of the winterizing stuff, you know, the water heater bypass kits, they have instructions on it. There's a, a water pump converter kit for winterizing it's permanent. Same with the RV bypass or water heater bypass kit. So this would go on your RV water pump. There's instructions on it that tell you how to do it. There's pictures. So if you just follow the instructions, and like I said, if you go to smartrver.com and look at episode 109, there'll be links to these instructions. They'll be on our website, smartrver.com. So it's just important that you get it done. It doesn't matter which way you go with it. Just get it done. Now, if you live in California, you know, central, southern California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, there's some places like that where you don't have to do a thing. It's just nice temperature all year round. So this isn't going to apply to you. Although in some of those states, it does freeze a little bit in the wintertime. <clears throat> you know, you might have in Arizona freezing temperatures in the month of January in the morning for a half an hour, depending on where you're at. So, you know, that you probably don't need to do anything about. It's not going to freeze the inside of the RV. If you had a water line laying on the ground, it might freeze it. So that might be worthy of consideration. Cover it or uh, bring it in or just make sure there's no water in it. So different areas do different things. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the main thing is to get it done. And then even in the wintertime, if you're not going to use your RV, even if you're in Arizona or someplace like that, just look at it as an opportunity to get out there and check everything out before before you stop using it for five or six months. Just a good way to get some of that maintenance done. And then while you're doing this, you're just looking at the whole RV. So it's a good time to just see everything it might need. And you might look, look at it and say, some of this stuff can definitely wait till springtime. So make a list and put it on the list and keep the list going. You know, there's always something to do with an RV, but keeping track of it's most important. So when you're out using the RV, it doesn't come back and bite you. All right. So go to the smartrver.com and download the complete guide to winterizing your RV's fresh water system today. That way you have it. All right. So now we're going to the next stop. Today we are going to <laughs> Bristol, Tennessee. Woohoo. I had to pause there because I always think of Bristol, Indiana. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> RV capital of the world. Oh. And that's where Bristol Manufacturing is. It's owned by LaSalle Bristol. Hey, I didn't know that. So there hey, you cool. go. Um, so that's how my mind works. It's always in RV mode. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> love better it. better or worse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So Alexis, this is your yes. area of, ex- of specialty. <laughs> Yes, yes. What is there to see in Bristol? Why would I want to go to Bristol, Tennessee? Well, do you like race cars? I do. (laughs) Then that might be a really good reason because they have the Bristol Motor Speedway there. Very, very popular. Very exciting. All right. I'm glad you brought that out because I was going to call you out on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, a lot of these speedways in Bristol and some of the others, they're just cool to see no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you could get in there after hours and or one that's deserted. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a great place to go. You can spend a week in there for a big race. That'd be nice. And so what else is there to do besides the racing? That's not for everybody. Right. That's pretty exciting. But there's also the Bristol Caverns. I guess you can go down there and take a tour. 
That might be kind of fun if that interests you. There's also a really big lake there, South Holston Lake. Uh, so if you're into fly fishing, that might be a good option for you. Okay. So back to the caverns. Is this would this be similar to like Carlsbad Caverns? Do you know it's in New Mexico? Um, I think it's kind of similar to Lewis and Clark Caverns. Okay, if I'm if so there's a, a comparison, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so everybody, most everybody knows about Carlsbad Caverns. You know, it's quite a place to see. But you know, any actually any set of caverns you can find are pretty cool. Right, exactly. You know, even if they're not the same as the last ones you're at, they're still very interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's some in uh, Arizona. I can't think of. The, archer caverns oh okay yeah they're pretty cool and so yeah all right so that would be a good one to go see Mm -hmm. definitely something you want to bring a camera with you oh yeah go do um sometimes when you take a camera in those dark places it brings out stuff that you can't see with your eyes when it flashes Yeah, like bats or something bats or anything (laughs) it'll bring out the colors they might be more vibrant than what your eyes can see yeah that's true you know unless they have it really lit up and now the <laughs> lake has trout and fly fishing is there anything else going on at the lake can you water ski there or? i'm pretty sure you can do whatever uh interests you they probably have kayaking all that kind of thing so okay. might want to explore that a little bit <laughs> all right very good and then we're always talking about food wherever we go oh yes gotta have uh food places so, in mind What's on the menu in Bristol, Tennessee? Well, for one, there's Cootie Browns. <laughs> I think that's kind of a southern thing. I think it's a chain. Um, they have barbecue there. So barbecue. Yes, barbecue. Barbecue's <laughs> always good, no matter uh-huh. what, right? That's right. <laughs> Doesn't even matter. Exactly. You know, sometimes bad barbecue's good. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you put enough sauce on it, it's always right, there good. There you go. Yeah, good barbecue sauce. That's yes. important too. And coleslaw or slaw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what else is there? Not everybody might want barbecue, so. Right. Um, they also have a restaurant called The Angry Italian. So you can imagine what they serve. <laughs> the Angry Italian. Sounds interesting. Um, good name. Mm-hmm. There's always an Italian restaurant. It seems like everywhere oh yeah usually <laughs> mexican food italian food but italian food's always good mm-hmm. I generally, agree. You know? yeah yep sometimes not everything on the menu might be good but they always have something that's good there's something yeah all right so now you've eaten at one of these places what about dessert you're gonna get dessert yes. there at browns or are you gonna go someplace else um actually i would recommend aubrey's because they're famous for their peanut butter pie so if you're a peanut butter lover you gotta try it Peanut butter pie. So it must be like a cream that's oh, made with peanut butter. Exactly. Can you imagine yeah. A pie, just solid peanut butter. <laughs> That'd be pretty hard to eat. Yeah, it wouldn't be good, would it? No. P B and J pie. Mm. Um, okay, so I'm sure there's more places to eat there. Those are the ones that just stood out to you. Yeah. The, uh, the really good places. Yep. Or the unique places. Okay, so now what about staying in Bristol, Tennessee? Oh, man, yeah, there's so many places to stay. Um, for one, if you want to stay close to, if you're coming there for the Speedway, um, a good place to stay would be the Bristol Campground and Event Parking because it's right next to the Speedway. They have, I mean, it's so huge. They have over 2,700 camp spots there, so you'll probably find one. Wow. Uh, for Yeah, for that. That'd be nice. And there's one at the lake as well, or a couple. Yeah, there's a Lakeview RV resort, and they have they advertise free Wi-Fi, and then uh, Lake Retreat RV Park. It's supposed to be really pretty there. 
Okay, very good. So free Wi-Fi, remember that. You can get there and check out the smartrver.com That's on their right. internet for free. Yeah. Can't beat that. <laughs> no, you probably can, but while you're there, check it out. Okay, so then the, one of these has really good views you mentioned here, Lake Retreat yeah. RV Park. Yeah, it's supposed to be really pretty, uh, really uh, good views of the lake if you're going to stay there. All the camp spots are close. Right, so the one at the Speedway or next to the Speedway is 2,700 camp spots mm-hmm. i'm sure that's like cattle you know you're, oh yeah <laughs> you know you're going to be there for the weekend and for the race so the race is going to be the focus here of your attention but if you're there kind of for the weekend and the race and other things one of these yeah. other places might fit you better yeah exactly Unless you're just the diehard race fan because i'm sure it's pretty interesting to be in a uh, a campground with 2700 rvers <laughs> to watch a, a nascar race it's probably pretty uh pretty fun pretty rowdy (laughs) all right so when's the best time to go well you know i mean you can travel to here any time of the year but april to june seems to be really the hot spot to go um because it's it's really good weather and the races are at their high peak so if you're going for that you might want to want to check out these months to travel okay very good so you know we do these these next stops and they're not always totally timed with the seasons because, well, we're just throwing stuff out there, giving you guys things to think about. Yeah. You know, next April, mm-hmm. if you're planning on going there, will come quickly. Yeah. Yep. You know, we're in October, and so it's going to be there right away. And, you know, like in our store and stuff, we try to plan stuff months in advance because time goes by so quick. Yes. And, you know, you guys have busy lives as well and time flies and so planning ahead and so sometimes things might seem out of sync with the seasons but we're just throwing stuff out there that's right you know seeing what'll stick for you you, know, you get on the map and look at hey that'd be a cool place to go we're going to make our plans for april you know? yeah absolutely and maybe you're not into racing or fishing but there's other reasons to go there just checking out different spots yeah all right so now we're going to talk about rv envy Now, winterizing supplies, things to winterize your RV, probably is not going to make your neighbor too envious. Probably not make (laughs) anybody real envious because, you know, just winterizing is work. You got to put some stuff on the water heater if it doesn't have it. So everything that you're going to need for winterizing, I'm just going to make this simple, is going to be on our website at smartrvpartcenter.com. I used to say Arizona RV Part Center. Now it's smartrvpartcenter.com, okay? So when you go there, that'll be the new name. Hopefully a new look. <laughs> time. Remember I just said, talked about time. Because everything you need, you know, maybe your RV's already set up for it and all you need is RV antifreeze. So you just got to go to the local RV store and buy some RV antifreeze. And speaking of which, you do want to buy some early because people do run out of it. You know, sometimes it becomes very hard to get. Um Come October, November, December, I think last year in January, we were down to like three gallons, six gallons uh, mm-hmm. for almost the rest of the season. Yep. So you want to get it early. And we sold a lot of it. It goes fast, especially if there's a cold snap that comes out of nowhere. Then you can get caught off guard. But your RV might be set up for it, so you don't need anything other than RV antifreeze. But if your RV hasn't been winterized and you know it needs stuff, then you want to get on that early as well because even the supplies can become short. So check out your RV. If it's new to you, see what it needs. If you've already had it for a couple winters, then you know exactly what to do. So go to smartrvpartcenter.com, 
and I'll have a link on the website, episode 109 at thesmartrver.com. <laughs> confusing. Everything's revolving around the smart RVer. Do you see a theme there? <laughs> okay, so one other thing. Um, so that's the, we're coming to the, the end of the show here. That went by quick, or it seemed like it went by quick. Seemed that way, Alexis? It did. Maybe it's because we're recording it two different ways. <laughs> what, millions of people watching it every yep. time. It's, <laughs> it's very powerful. It plays with the mind. <laughs> so one thing we're going to start doing that's going to be new, besides today and how we're doing this show, on every other Friday. So our podcasts come out bi-weekly. So the weeks in between on Friday, we're going to have what is called Free Tip Friday. It's going to be one tip in 10 minutes. And that will be recorded on audio and put on YouTube. So either way. So if you're listening to iTunes, you'll get it on iTunes. If you prefer to go to YouTube, it will be there. So that's going to start November 4th. So November 4th will be the beginning of Free Tip Friday. One tip, 10 minutes. Mark your calendars. Mark your calendars. If they ever say that by mistake at a NASCAR race. <laughs> Gentlemen, mark your calendars. <laughs> All right, so I want to thank everybody for listening today and Alexis coming in and helping us out with the next stop. So this is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer Podcast. It's been great hanging out with you. If I don't see you on the road, let's connect at thesmartrver.com. <laughs>